Well, good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to identify more and more with David. When David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I realize we don't have to go to a place to enter to God's presence. Um, but boy, that in-person gathering, when we all get together, I miss my brothers and sisters in Christ. I miss you and miss the opportunity that we're going to have to gather together. And so I look forward to that time when we've been together that I'll be able to look back and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And they give us permission to gather again uh, together. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter again. I'll be looking at the next passage, beginning with verse 13. And so if you have your Bibles, I'll let you go ahead and grab that and turn to there so that we can be together. If you've got notepads and paper together, you can take some notes. There'll be some things on the screen for you that'll help you out as well. Uh, we're living in uncertain times. We're living in days when uh, it's very easy to give in to the darkness of hopelessness and despair. And that means it's all the more reason why you and I, as those that have been born again to a living hope, that we would allow others to see your living hope. Let me remind you, Peter told us that we were born again. As followers of Jesus Christ, we were born again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that hope makes us different. It has changed us. It changes the way we see our world. It changes the way that we see the circumstances that we're going through in our world. And it also changes how we live our lives day to day. And that's important that we do that. Not everybody who tells me that they're born again lives out that hope. And it just reminds us that living in light of hope doesn't come automatically. There are certain things that we need to do. First Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 21 is a call to live in light of your living hope. Follow along as I read God's word. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. It is important that we live our lives so that others can see the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, to have that living hope, to live it out so people can see it. Why? Well, someone has said that changed lives always attract others who want to be changed. Our responsibility our privilege is to live in light of, of the living hope that we have in Christ so that others would see that hope, be attracted to that hope, and want to know that hope for themselves. 
So how do we do that? How do we live out our lives so that others can see the difference that hope makes in us? Well, number one, allow hope to impact how you think. Look at me again in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your minds, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Living in light of hope, especially in times in which many are tempted to give in to the hopelessness and despair, the, the, the darkness that's around us because of things like a pandemic, things like an interruption that has shut down our country. Uh, and instead, living in, in light of that hope is it, so very important, but it's going to require a mental toughness on our part that we need to be able to take control of our minds and how we think. Because if we don't, we will let hopelessness, we'll let despair, we'll let fear, we'll let anxiety take control of our minds. And that's so very important for the same reason it was in, in wrestling. In high school, between the football seasons, I was required to stay physically fit by wrestling. Uh, I never wrestled in a match, but I'd go to wrestling practices. And there the wrestling coach taught us a very important principle of wrestling. If you control your opponent's head, you control your opponent. Well, so it is in life. Whatever controls your head is going to control you. So you've got a choice. You can let the circumstances of life control your mind and your thinking and thereby control you, or you can let the living hope that you have in Christ Jesus control your mind. You make up your mind there. You need to do that. So what do you do? You need to prepare your mind with hope. Paul, Peter says, gird up the loins of your minds. In Peter's day, folks wore those long flowing robes. They, they might have been functional for a lot of reasons, but they weren't functional when it came time to having to move. If you had to move fast or if you had to work, those robes got in your way. So they would take the hem up and bring it up to about to their waist and then tie it up with a rope around their waist to hold it up. And that was called girding up your loins. And Peter's telling us we need to do that with our in our minds, with the hope that we have in Christ Jesus Christ, that we would remember to, to do the hard work of preparing our minds in that hope. He would say later on in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Do the hard work of thinking through your faith, of studying your faith, of examining your faith, of evaluating your faith. Peter's saying, don't just simply know what you believe, though you need to know what you believe, but you need to know why you believe what you believe. Because only then are you going to be able to have a credible witness to the world around you. People want to know what you believe, but they want to know why, and you need to know why. But that's also going to make a difference in your own personal stability and faithfulness to the very hope to which we're called. When you're going to be tempted by all the voices that are around you that are going to be saying all kinds of negative things, things that are contrary to the gospel, things that are contrary to hope, you need to know this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, and this is why I'm hanging on to it and why it's hanging on to me. You need to prepare your mind in hope and then you need to focus your mind on hope. Peter writes, be sober. 
I think about the sign that I saw in um, Tropicana Field last time I was there watching the Rays play baseball. And it said, drive sober or get pulled over. Uh, sobriety in this case, when Peter's writing, is not simply about not being filled with alcohol and being under the influence, having your mind muddled and confused by alcohol, but rather it means it's a, it's a mind that thinks sensibly and clearly, uh, that stays focused, especially in those times when we might be tempted to do otherwise. Life comes at you hard. Circumstances come at you hard. The hopelessness, the fear comes and threatens you, and you're tempted to lose your mind, to lose your head, lose control of your thinking at that point. You need to remember the story of the dog that wandered into a, a sawmill. It wasn't paying much attention as it backed into the saw. The saw cut its tail off, jerked the dog around real quick to see what is happening, and then the saw cut off the dog's head. The moral of the story is don't lose your head over a tail. Well, Peter's telling us don't lose your head over the circumstances of life. Maintain that calm. Don't fall apart at the first signs of difficulty. Exercise self-control in your thinking and let hope do that for you as you focus upon the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And then he also reminds us to set your mind on your future hope. As he says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You ever stop to think about the fact that you were saved by grace? Well, yes, we know the verse. But you also live by grace. That same grace is a present reality in our lives. But it's also a future reality. Because of that grace, we're going to have a future. And we have a future with the Heavenly Father. It's past, it's present, it's future. This grace is now and it's not yet. Not everything about grace has been realized in our lives yet, but one day it will. And that's important because as we're seeking to live out our lives in hope, we realize sometimes how terribly, how terribly we, we, we fall so short. And the temptation is, well, we'll just give up, but, but don't give up. Keep on keeping on in hope as you focus on the future hope because God's not finished with you yet. Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said uh, in chapter 1, verse 6, he said basically, you know, God began a good work in you and God's still doing that work and God's going to keep on doing that work until Jesus comes again. And on that day, God will have completed that work. Everything that God created you to be, everything God saved you to be, you will be on that day. That's our future hope. But it's also that hope that as we look at this world around us that, again, it seems to be spinning more and more out of control. We're being run, our lives being run by a virus, by COVID-19, uh, government shutdowns, all those things that are going on in our lives. And it just seems like God's not paying attention, but God is paying attention. And one day, when we look back, we're going to see how God was directing human history. As God has had the, the, the final word in human history, he, he's been leading, guiding all along. As we keep our minds focused on our future hope, we will not give in to despair. So let hope impact how you live. And number two, allow folk hope, let hope impact how you live, not just how you think, but, but also how you live. And, and that's important. 
it's not enough to tell people what we think. People need to see it being lived out in our lives. And that's what they're looking for. And they'll never know what we really believe and what we really, where our hope really is unless they see it being lived out. So the first thing that, that Peter tells us as we allow hope to impact our lives is to avoid your old life of hopelessness. In verse 14, he writes, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. Before we lived in hope, before we were born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we were living our lives out in hopelessness and in despair. We were living our lives in sin, and, and sin always leads to one place, death. There's no hope there. But then God redeemed us. God saved us, and he brought us out of hopelessness into his hope. So the question becomes, why would we want to go back to our old hopeless ways? We shouldn't want to. It should be a no-brainer in our own minds. We ought to, afford to avoid that life and that lifestyle. Now, this is not a call to legalism. Peter makes it clear. As obedient children, this is a call to a warm and loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. As parents, that's how we want our children to respond to us. We don't want them to respond to us out of fear. We want them to know and to trust that we love them and care about them. And every decision and every instruction is born of a heart of love that wants to see them become all that they possibly can be. And so they would begin to start loving us and trusting us and therefore responding out of that love and trust. Listen, if we as parents with all of our evil intentions, would still have that good intention for our children. How much more, our Heavenly Father, can we not trust that everything He does and everything He does, wants for us it is for our good because He loves us? Henry Blackaby reminds us that God is, is all-powerful so that He is able. And God is all-knowing so He is wise. And God is all-loving so He is good. And we'll believe that and it helps us to trust in him and to put our faith in him. And we'll therefore live out our hope in him and avoid our old way of life that was totally hopeless. And then we'll aspire to be holy. In verses 15 and 16, But as he who called you was holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. In his letter, his first epistle, John wrote in First Peter chapter, I mean First John rather, verses uh, chapter three, verses two and three. We know that when he, that is when Jesus is revealed, that is when he comes again, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Our living hope calls us to holiness. Because one day we will be holy. Again, we struggle. We don't always live holy lives. We're tempted to give up. And yet God's word assures us, no, one day you will be. And when you begin to realize, one day I will be holy, it makes it so much easier to, to seek to live in holiness now. We, we have that motivation. That's what John's telling us. And, and that's what Peter's telling us as well. That he called us... Uh, to be holy in all of our conduct, literally in every move you make, in everything that you do, you aspire to be holy and reflect God's glory. 
And then also you need to be in awe of, of your heavenly Father. Look in verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time of stay here on this earth in fear. In fear? I thought maybe, I thought that God didn't want us to respond to him in fear, but rather out of love. That word fear is an important word. It doesn't mean cowering fear, but it really has the idea that we take God seriously and therefore respond to him appropriately. It really has the idea of a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, of, of total respect. It's a holy and it's a healthy fear of God that we take seriously who God is and we respond. God is the one who created us. God is the one that gave us physical life. God is the one who gives us spiritual life so that we're now born again. And God is the one who gave us hope. And God is the one who one day we're going to stand before and give an account of what we've done with life, what we've done with hope, done with forgiveness. We're going to give an account. And so therefore there becomes that holy fear, that reverential awe as we stand before God so that now we know that we can allow hope to impact how we live and we have a motivation to do that. I'm motivated by love. I'm motivated by the holy awe and reverence for who God is. Allow hope to impact how you think. Allow, allow hope to impact how you live. But you also need to remember how hope was made possible. Our hope is not wishful thinking. It is confident expectation and assurance based on our faith of what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. That's why we need times of worship. Though we can't be together in in-person gatherings, why these times of being on Facebook Live and being in your homes through video and through social media are so very important for us all because we need to worship. We need to worship corporately. We need to worship individually, privately, because in those moments of time, we are reminded again of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And that becomes the basis of our hope. Peter reminds us here about what God has done in bringing us redemption. And our redemption has set us free from hopelessness. In verse 18, he writes, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. We were redeemed. And when Peter reminds us that we were redeemed, he is reminding us that we were once slaves to sin. We were slaves to death. We were slaves of hopelessness. He borrows from the slave market that phrase redeemed because when a slave was set free, he was because he had been redeemed. Someone paid the redemption price for him to set him free. So that now he's free from that life of hopelessness and despair of living as a slave. And that's what happened for us. We were once enslaved to aimless conduct, Peter says. Going nowhere and going there fast. Going into darkness, into despair and, and hopelessness. But now God has acted. And he has acted to set us free. But you need to remember that he, did, that he did so at a price. That your redemption was costly. Look in verse 19. 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, our hope is found in what God was willing to do for us to redeem us. The price he was willing to pay to redeem us. Peter reminds us, we were not purchased with silver and gold. Now in those days, that's how slaves were sold. Can you think of anything more degrading than being paid for, being bought like you're some commodity, like you're just some piece of property? But Peter says, that's not how you were purchased. That's not how you, re you were redeemed. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. That word precious could also mean priceless blood. Of Jesus. You know what God says about you when he, what God was saying about you when he purchased you with the precious, priceless blood of Jesus Christ? God was saying, you're precious. You're priceless. God says, you're worth it. God says, you matter. There's where hope comes from. Knowing that we matter to God. That God finds us as his precious, precious, priceless possession. That he loves us that much. That he was willing to sacrifice his son to redeem us. And your redemption was also God's eternal plan. Always was. Look in verse 20 and 21. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Peter reminds us here that what God has done for us was not God's plan B, but was always a part of God's eternal plan. I always stand amazed. I just trying to wrap my mind around this idea that God had made up his mind even before the foundation of the world, even before he created me, that he would redeem me through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's really an awesome thought that you begin to stop and think about. And you begin to, be, to realize it's greater than I can wrap my mind around. But it's what God did. But it's to remind you and I also that our hope, our faith, our confidence as we live out our lives in these days is not based upon what man has done or what man is doing or what man will do. Our confidence, our hope is based upon what God has done, is doing, and will do for us in Jesus Christ. So that everything that we are as we seek to be about a people of hope is based upon God and upon his character. Let me remind you again, God is all-powerful, so he is able. God is all-knowing, so he is wise. And God is all-loving, so that he is good, and he is kind, and he wants what's best for you. And you can live out your days in hope, remembering what God has done for you to redeem you, the price he was willing to pay, the outcome of redemption, and the God that stands behind it all. These indeed are difficult days, but we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, 
for I have overcome the world. In Christ we have hope, not despair. In, in Christ we have been called out of darkness into light. In Christ we have been called out of death into life so that we can continue to live with certainty in these days of uncertainty, certain upon God, certain upon his salvation, certain upon his redemption, certain about our eternal destiny, all because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Living hope makes a difference in how you think, in how you live, and in how you worship. And that matters. Why? Let me remind you. Changed lives always attract others who want to be changed. So as you and I live our hope before the world around us, it will impact that world. I don't know if you're living in hope or not. I hope you are. But if not, let me remind you again. If you open your heart to Jesus Christ, if you turn away from the way you were once living so that now you allow Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, as you live in faith and in surrender, turning it all over to him, he promises you a living hope. You will be born again into this living hope. It changes you. And I invite you to do that today. Stop and just ask him, Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. I know I've been cut off from your life because of my sin, but I believe that you sought to rescue me. You came to this world to die for me, to rise again from the grave, that I might have confidence to know that you are who you say you are and you can do who, what you say you can do. And so I just surrender my whole life to you in faith, in trust, in obedience, you're now my God. You're now my Lord. Thank you for saving me. You can do that today. If you are a Christ follower, if you already live in that hope, let the world see it by the way you live. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you that you are all-powerful so that, Father, you are able. And you are all-knowing so you are wise. And you're all-loving so that you're good. And Father, our hopes are caught up in who you are. Thank you for being the God that you are. Let us never lose sight of you, who you are, what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, the price you were willing to pay to redeem us, and the hope we now have. And Lord, help us to live out that hope. I pray again, Father, for those that have not yet experienced the living hope that comes through Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working in their lives, drawing them closer to yourself. And Lord, I pray that the day will be soon that they'll give their heart to Christ so they might know and live in hope. We thank you for these things as we pray them in Jesus' name.